Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need a bucket, feed the late call. That's what we've learned about Michigan State basketball as we turn the calendar to February, especially after the junior captain scored with a second left to give the Spartans a two-point win at Maryland on Tuesday night, despite blowing a 15-point lead. It comes on the heels of a convincing win over rival Michigan at the Breslin Center. We will dive headfirst once again into the state of Michigan State basketball and catch you up on the latest football news on episode 66 of MLive's Spartan Confidential Podcast. Uh, Brandon Champion, Kyle Austin, and Matt Wenzel with you on National Signing Day, a snowy February 2nd, 2022. Uh, Matt, we'll hear from you in a minute. But Kyle, you did it. You made it back from Maryland despite the presence of this massive snowstorm. So, Congratulations, sir. Thank you. Thank you. We a lot of talent involved in that. So <laughs> we were worried we were going to miss you on the show today. Well, <laughs> yeah. And I was worried. So, so the basketball is in, at Rutgers on Saturday. So it was like, if you get delayed or two, it's like, shoot, just set up the M Live East Coast office and uh, stay, uh, stay out there for a week. But uh, glad I didn't have to do that. Didn't have to come do it. Just go work with the with the with the suits in New York, Kyle. Just go sit. Just see if you can borrow a little office space up there in the in the tower in the ivory tower in the. See if I can get, see if I can get a little raise. Uh, I would blame Jim Delaney if that happened to me though, because still don't know why that they're in the Big Ten. But that's a whole other podcast. And Matt Wenzel is here too. What's going on, Matt? Oh, just dealing with the damn snow like the rest of you guys, trying to carve out a minute here or there to go do it in between work and. Um... Yeah, I wish I was in uh, somewhere warm. I got my first snowblow in. I, I, I need my second probably right after this. Yeah, yeah I'll same. be out shoveling shortly <laughs> after this podcast, I'm sure. One of my colleagues, uh, or our colleagues, Matt, he was telling me that uh, he has an electric shovel that he's that just arrived today that he's going to okay. go use. So, but, yeah, it's probably the same brand I've got, which we got. Um, we went with the uh, battery-powered one years ago. We got it because, you know, one less gas can or damn thing to fill up. And... It's convenient in that sense, but you get the really heavy stuff. You get eight inches of snow on the ground and it's a struggle. And then you get 75% done and the battery dies. So um, it looks like it's a charge now. So uh, let's, uh, let's speed this up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we will, uh, we'll get back to the shoveling techniques at some point. Uh, if, you, if you need some tips from any of us, send it our way. But Michigan State uh, takes care of business in their last two games. Uh, pretty comfortable win against Michigan, 83-67 on Saturday at a rocking Breslin Center and in front of 
a lot of recruits, both football and basketball. Uh, and then they followed up last night with a, a tense 65-63 win in which it was uh, rather ugly down the stretch for the for the green and white. But uh, Kyle, I mean, you we can we can start wherever you want here. I guess we might as well talk about Maryland and we can kind of sprinkle in thoughts about Michigan because I think it was an overall really impressive performance against the Wolverines. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, Michigan State gets it done last night. Malik Hall comes up big again uh, if you want to jump right to the end there you know the final play it looked like they were maybe uh looking for the old Loyola lob again off the jump but uh doesn't doesn't pan out so they get it to Malik Hall it gets to the rack um and gets it done for the Spartans once again uh one of these close games where somebody steps up yeah you uh you are right I believe that is what they were looking for the Loyola lob Israel said they were looking for a lob like the Baylor game but I I think he meant Loyola because I don't remember any, any I don't remember any lobs or consequence during that Baylor beatdown. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, looking for that, it wasn't there. So that was option number one. But option number two was really just, hey, Malik Hall, take it to the rack. Because uh, uh, the idea was that, you know, get fouled because uh, they were calling a lot last night, um, a lot of fouls. So the idea was get him to the free throw line. Um, but instead he, he got there, uh, without getting fouled and, and made the basket it is, um, um, kind of the top of the key. And as, uh, uh, Marcus Bingham told us afterwards, when Malik gets it on the floor and goes right, he's money hundred percent. Um, and that's what it was. Um, and it was, it was good for Malik because if you remember a week ago, he's standing at the free throw line, um, in Champaign, uh, with a chance to send it to overtime, two free throws and misses the first. Um, and that was, you know, painful for him and, um, you know, that, that can affect guys. And I, you know, I don't think anybody thought it would have any lingering effects, but I think it's good for him to kind of get a little redemption a week later, make the game winning basket. And it's, um, I mean, the man, the steps he's taken and how much his role has expanded this year is really remarkable. I mean, I think he's, I think a lot of people thought he could have a big year. He was one of a number of guys that you thought could break out, but you know, the fact that here we are in mid-February and he's the guy that they're they're drawn up plays for at the end of the game. You know, I thought it'd be Gabe Brown. He's struggling. I thought it could be Max Christie. You know, he's a freshman. He's up and down. And um, there it is, uh, Malik Hall, not even starting, um, but been their best player for the last couple of weeks. Um, uh, he's the one making big shots, scored their last four, uh, scored their last five a week ago uh, against Illinois. They didn't win that game, but a good comeback. They're calling more plays for him. Uh, you know, he's, he's really high percentage shooter, you know, doing that turnaround on the baseline, uh, creating his own shot, getting to the hoop, hitting outside shots. Um, just really kind of um, a breakout performance for him. And um, it, it, it's what they needed right now. Yeah, I mean, team high 16 points in the game. He's, I mean, you said he's just got such a diver- diverse offensive game, whether it's him doing the, you know, the little turnaround jumpers on the block or knocking down threes in transition or uh, just getting to the bucket when you need one. I mean, we saw last night Michigan's off Michigan State's offense went stagnant in the second half um, and they were really struggling to get open looks. I mean, credit Maryland's defense. The pick and roll was doing like nothing for Michigan State. And we can get yeah. to some of the the issues in the game after we talk about the positive here. But, uh, you know, coming into the season, we were talking about you know, the four position a lot between Joey Hauser and Malik Hall, you know, we felt that they needed to get more out of those guys. And now in this uh, season, which continues to go up and down. And now we see Gabe Brown struggling. The point guards have uneven performances. The bigs have uneven performances. Uh, Malik Hall and Joey Hauser have suddenly become two of Michigan state's most consistent players uh, night in and night. I mean, Joey Hauser, a couple track down rebounds, uh, his energy just seems a lot better. And Robbie Hummel and Jason Benetti were kind of talking about on the broadcast last night where 
when it when it comes to Hauser, I mean, the sky high ex- expectations coming in. You know, I think people thought that uh, when he was going to come in, he was going to be like one of these one or two top leading scorers. And we've seen the twenty seven point breakouts like last year against Wisconsin. But he's kind of settled into that role, right? Where he's where he's just doing, you know, ten and seven, you know, eight, nine and eight, you know, just kind of kind of filling his role. Mm-hmm. And the four positions really become an area of strength for Michigan State. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't want to play like psychologist too much, but it almost seems like he kind of let go of that idea that like I'm going to be, you know, a leading scorer, second leading scorer, and um, have the plays called up for me um, and, and all that. And and he's kind of worked his way into. I mean, I. I, I think you ran in the tweet of last night, kind of a garbage score a little bit. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's what he's become. I mean, two of his buckets last night um, were putbacks off of fast break misses. So credit to him. He's hustling down, trailing the guy with the ball. Um, and it was Hogarth at least one time. Um, might've been somebody else second time, but he's right there to clean that up. Uh, a couple more, you know, offensive rebounds, putbacks, um, broken plays. You know, he can make a shot, but, you know, hit a three pointer there too. He's rebounding well. He's defending much better. Uh, so you're right. I mean, he's, he's become a good player without becoming what we thought he would be. And that's okay. Not everybody becomes exactly what you think. But um, I get the sense that the level of frustration is lower for him um, and that he's said, okay, I can I can still be a good player here um, without scoring 15, 20 a night, without taking the most shots on the team. Um, and that's okay. And, and that's that's worked out well for everybody, I think. Absolutely. I mean, you, you have a lot of guys on this team that can contribute. So, I mean, Joey Hauser doesn't need to be a guy who's out there dropping 20 every night. I mean, it would be nice if he did because we've seen <laughs> Michigan State struggle, uh, you know, to score at times, especially in the half court when their transition game isn't working like last night. So, uh, you know, you could get to that. But, um, you know, if we want to flip to the negative side, I know Tom Izzo said he didn't mind Tyson Walker's play last night. I think that had more to do with how he was defending Fats Russell yeah. uh, more than how he played on offense. But um, because the point guard play was was pretty, pretty pedestrian, uh, you know, last night. And for the you know, we mentioned the second half of the second half where they just the offense sort of stagnated. I mean, and you can tell Izzo's frustrated with both Walker and Hogard, but for sort of different reasons, because I think he sees a lot of potential in both of them. Uh, AJ Hogard, I find particularly maddening. I mean, he goes for 11 points and 10 assists against Michigan. And then last night he, he was just dreadful. No points, three assists, two turnovers. Uh, he had the wide open lob that any high major division one point guard should be able to complete uh, easily. And he throws it to Washington, DC. Mm-hmm. Uh, like it, it just, uh, the point guard play. And with Cassius Winston in the house last night, you know, Tom's probably got Cassius sitting by and he's probably just like, man, can I just put that guy in there for a little bit to show these two talented young point guards how to play the position? Because, uh, you know, Michigan state's offense last year, we, we harked on it all season. The point guard play was not up to par. And at times we see that sort of rear its ugly head in this season, but usually he's getting enough out of at least one of them to play competently on offense. But both of them had their struggles on offense last night. Yeah, I I guess maybe I'll push back a little bit and remind you how bad the point guard play was last year. And even a night like last night was an improvement over last year, certainly. Um, and be the point guard play level at I Michigan State. It in my memory, Kyle. yeah, I, I well, just completely blocked. It. Um, but uh, the point guard, the the bar for point guard play at Michigan State has been set very high. Um, yeah. Most recently by that guy sitting behind the bench last night, um, who was pretty darn good. So um, yes, it was it wasn't great point guard play. Um, it was good enough. Um, y- you're gonna hope that it, it improves, but. 
like you said, there every game or pretty much every game seems like one of them is at least good enough. You know, on Saturday, I thought AJ Hogard was fantastic. Um, on Tuesday, nobody was great. Tyson Walker had one turnover in 23 minutes. That's good considering what they've been. Um, that's kind of the number one thing I look at. Um, he, he made it really to, to me. I mean, everyone talks about the Malik Hall shot before, right before that, Fats Russell was driving to the basket, looking like a pretty open layup and Tyson Walker reaches in, slaps the ball out of his hand, creates a turnover. Um, you know, if he doesn't make that play, they're down two, um, and they're needing a shot to send it to overtime. And instead, um, that set it up. So, um, that was a huge play. Um, I thought he, he played with poise, made, made enough plays. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, um, Tom, Tom Izzo seems to have this vision in his mind that, you know, they're both running and, you know, he likes that they're kind of different styles and they give him different things. You know, Tyson Walker comes in, he's a speedy guy. He really runs the break well. Um, he's the shooter and he wants him to be shooting more than he is. Um, then AJ Hogar comes in kind of a tougher guy, um, um, you know, can rebound a little bit more, bang around, maybe get to the hoop a little bit more, but also I think has the vision um, that we saw on Saturday that he doesn't have. So, you know, there's this ideal that they're going to be this one-two punch when they're both playing well. I think they could really keep a team off guard, kind of going in and out for each other. But um, as it is right now, they're really only getting one one of those two punches at a time. Um, but it, it's good enough for now. I mean, you hope it gets better, but um, it, it, it's good enough for now. And yeah, like, you know, in a big picture sense last night, there was a lot of disappointment. I'll, I'll say that, you know, most of the, the talk afterwards from, you know, we talked to Malik Hall, we talked to Marcus Bingham, we talked to Israel. Most of it was negative because they'd just played so well against Michigan. And I, I can tell you from covering this program and covering time is long enough that there's an eye looking towards March in the NCAA tournament already. Um, and when you hear him talk about consistency all the time, that's, you know, you can read between the lines a little bit. The consistency is the number one thing you need in the NCAA tournament. And that's why he's harping so much on this team being consistent because um, last night was good enough to beat Maryland on the road. That's good. That effort was not good enough to beat an NCAA tournament team, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. if, if you look at Saturday, Tuesday as an NCAA tournament weekend, you win the first one, you feel good. You have a letdown and you're out. Um, so he, he's going to keep harping on them to not have performances last night. You're not going to expect, you know, a game like Michigan every single time out. That's the way the, the sport is, but to kind of raise that floor a little bit, um, and, and to be good enough to be playing and competing with NCAA tournament caliber teams every night. Um, that seems in my mind, that seems to be the goal they're going for. And there's not, I mean, this isn't an overly talented team. There's not a lot of margin for error to be able to do that. So that, that's the floor I think they're trying to get to. Um, and, and they weren't out there last night despite getting the win. Well, if you're looking yeah, for I mean, consistency, all your big men with two fouls in the first half, isn't that, I mean, isn't that a, they've been able to do <laughs> well, that. Well, he played center last night. We're not even talking about that. I know, that was crazy. <laughs> they took small ball to a new level last night. I mean, that was gnarly with the lineups they had going out there. But yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think either coach was thrilled about the way that the game was called last night. I, I just hate talking about fouls, Matt, because I think we could do it every single game if we wanted to with college refs because they are remarkably inconsistent with the way they call games most of the time. Danny Manning was whining for fouls uh, at halftime. He, the broadcast said that. 
that. Um, he started getting a little more tic tacs down the stretch, and they were calling it both ways. I would just rather see the refs swallow their whistles a little bit, but obviously the fouls were a factor in the game. Tom Izzo straight up said, we want to get him going to the basket to see if we can get a foul call at the end there. So, um, But Kyle, to your right. big picture point, I think it makes sense. You know, we How many times have we heard Tom Izzo say, oh, I'm not really – that worried about the results. I'm worried about the, the process of exactly. it because mm-hmm. I mean, that that's how they operate. His, his whole goal at Michigan state is to get the team ready for March. But this team is so interesting because it really is like, it really requires the sum of its parts to reach its potential. And you could say that about every team, but Michigan state teams in the past have had that one, those one or two superstars that could kind of pull you out. Like Cassius Winston, just taking over a game or miles bridges, taking over a game or Aaron Harris or, Gary Harris going off or name your guy. I mean, they've, they've had these guys that can sort of take over games, but this team from a pure talent standpoint, they need each other to reach their mm-hmm. ceiling. And I think that's why Tom Izzo is so uh, constantly focused on the big picture instead of this sort of day-to-day stuff that we like to talk about uh, more than anything. But in terms of other negatives, I mean, the turnovers were better, I thought, but then they continue to have, you know, some shooting woes, especially in the first half. They're missing open looks. Gabe Brown in particular, his shot, just something's off right now with his shot. It, the release doesn't look clean. It's super flat. Uh, the shot just looks flat. I don't I don't really know what's going on with Gabe Brown. You know, you've talked about maybe the scouting report focusing on him. Maybe that's having to something to do with it. And maybe as these other guys emerge. Uh, you know, Gabe Brown will be less of the focus in that, but they definitely need more out of him. And the long rebounds continue to be an issue. Tom was straight up annoyed with it in the press conference, but like some of these rebounds, I do think some of it is just fluky where they're giving up these massively long rebounds. They're all crashing the glass and the ball is bouncing up to the three point line. So I don't know if it's like a change in tactics where somebody has to kind of lay back, but that goes against everything Michigan state has done for 25 years. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I I think that's just a quirky thing that's gonna even itself out. Um, I, I'm I'm more concerned about Gabe Brown if we're talking about the negatives because I mean it's a slump. Like he, you know, I think he'll I think he'll snap out of it, but it you know it's going on five or six games by now. Um, and you know I, I I'm kind of past the teams you're you know honing in on him more because you're right. I mean his shot doesn't look right. I think he's got some. I'm, I'm far from a shooting expert, but uh, I think he's got some bad habits that he kind of falls back on, um, which is like you said, the kind of push, you know, um, mm-hmm. I'm going to mime it here and nobody can see me, but you know, arm <laughs> going kind of straight out, you know, instead of up, you know, he looks like he's, you know, pushing it right at the basket and it's a line drive. Um, and it just, it does not look right. Um, and you know, I think he was one for five from three last night. I thought he had open looks. Um, so that's part of it. But then I, he took seven shots last night, five of them with threes. Like wh- where are his drives to the basket? Where are his two pointers? Mm-hmm. Those seem to be gone. And that's not an issue with his shooting. Um, uh, he, he loves that transition, you know, catch it at that spot. He loves at the three point line and barrel towards the hoop. I think teams are taking that away um, pretty well, but um, I, I think he's got to find a, uh, a way to diversify his offensive game a little bit because um, the shots not falling. I think that'll come around, but um, you know, there's guys that when the shots aren't falling can, it can stay involved, whether it's getting to the free throw line, getting to the hoop, doing other things. Um, he seemed to be taken out of his game and hasn't really had an answer for it. So I, I think it's been this way for several games, but they need to find a way to get Gabe Brown a little bit more involved than he has been. Yeah. I mean, the transition game was non-existent last night. I mean, I, I did they have a single fast break point? I honestly can't remember. I mean, it was Maryland did a really good job on that. But again, when you're not shooting at a high clip, you know, it's hard to get that going or um, mm-hmm. so like, um, but 
you know, there was a period when Gabe Brown and Marcus Bingham, your, your seniors were planted on the pine. I mean, Jay Nakins played 24 minutes last night. He was, it was really good. He need, I mean, you couldn't take him off the floor in the second no. half. He, he had, he was bringing so much. He was one of the few guys who was consistently bringing energy. Now, again, he's, he's still not scoring at a, at a high rate. I mean, he's a, he's a, you know, mid seventies ranked true freshman. We can't expect him to be putting buckets up all the time, but uh, I mean, good things from him. And like, it was pretty clear. Tom didn't want to take him off the floor last night. No. And like, I love his game because he does little things like, um, mm-hmm. like when Maryland went on that 11-0 run, um, part of the reason it got snapped is because offensive rebound opportunity, Aikens goes up and taps it out. Um, and I think Malik Hall got a bucket off of it. You know, not doesn't show up on the box score. Good, smart, hustle play, uh, extend a possession and get a bucket when they really needed one. Um, mm-hmm. It feels like there's two or three things like that that he does um every single game that um i i really like what he's brought he's not trying to he's not trying to be too much i think he knows what his role is um great energy guy um and i, I think he's been a real asset for him yeah i i totally agree 100 and he's gonna i think he's gonna be a really really good player uh Me by too. the time he's done leaving michigan state he's probably gonna end up being a crowd favorite just because of that energy and hustle he brings so a lot of good lot, a lot of good you know some bad i mean like we said it, we, i feel like it's like this every game with this team it's constantly uh you know changing but at least they get the win and they're they're eight and two in the league or and they're they're in first place they're tied for first place they're 17 and four as much as we talk about the issues with this team they're right where they want to be really uh with a lot of games in hand got some home games coming up now uh, after Rutgers this weekend which is going to be a similar situation to Maryland Rutgers lost to Northwestern last night so they're completely fighting for their tournament hopes uh at the at the rack I will not call it Jersey Mike's arena Kyle and I would appreciate if you did not refer to it that uh to that in any stories I I will not (laughs) but if they feed me Jersey Mike's when I go there on Saturday I will eat it so (laughs) all right well yeah I mean we don't I don't think we need to preview it too much Rutgers that's another game they really should win so, um, and then just a couple of things. I did not appreciate the chance from this, from the Maryland student section, Kyle, uh, that was not cool. I don't know if you heard those there, but, uh, you know, I know that his own does some, does has their own moments, but, uh, I don't know, just, just, just when there is no one in the building like that, it's, uh, there wasn't that many people there, right? The students were doing their job throughout the game, but did the crowd get bigger as the game went yeah, on? Yeah, it, it felt like it did. It filled in. Somebody said Beltway traffic, whatever. It's hard to make a 7 p.m. weekday tip, and it, it filled in okay. It's still like, to me, when they were really good, that was like one of the top oh, environments high. in the Big Ten. It was super high. Like when they went there in 20 um, for that huge game when they had game day there, that was like one of the top five environments I've, I've ever been in. Um, so maybe I, maybe I, they set the bar too high, but yeah, it was a little low. I don't, I didn't, we don't need to go over the exact chance. I, I, I can't say I, re- I remember them, but th- those students have usually been pretty good overall. Yeah. And, and Robbie Hummel also shouted out Raymar Morgan, Goran Sutan, Edong Ebok, Drew Namick and Marquise Gray all in like a, a, a five second stretch. And that was, that just got me like up off my feet hearing those names again, Kyle. I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. If you, I know you've been covering the team for, you know, super, super long, but. I don't think any of those guys were there when you were covering the team right back in Robbie Hummel's playing days. <laughs> no, but um, the fact that Robbie remembers all of those, I think tells you everything about how much, you know, uh, Michigan state meant to, you know, uh, when he was there, how long he was there too. Yeah. That, <laughs> that too. Going to, 
Those were those are some uh, classic Michigan State guys, though. Just bring the beef, rebound, board, energy guys right there. So uh, overall, I mean, I think you have to be pretty happy if you're a Michigan State basketball fan right now. I mean, they they took care of business against Michigan. Uh, they they get this win against Maryland. If you if you can win in Piscataway this weekend, then you've got home games uh, against Wisconsin and in, in and Indiana. Um, Kyle, we probably should mention the Michigan games back on the schedule though. Yeah, I was, I was just going to bring that up if you weren't going to March 1st. Um, you know, I think it worked out. Okay. Um, you know, Michigan state, uh, has only one day off after that. And then it plays at Ohio state. So I'm sure they're not totally thrilled about that. Um, but Michigan is playing three games in five days. Um, so it's a squeeze for both of them, which you knew was going to happen. Um, uh, you know, Izzo was, um, you know, adamant, you know, he wants to play all 20. Um, you, you could make the argument that Michigan State didn't need this game. But um, it, listen, if we can avoid another like who's the Big Ten champion winning percentage argument this year, um, I am all for that. I, I don't want, you know, Michigan State played 19, you know, Wisconsin and whoever might be played 20 who won. I, I'm not I'm not here for that this year. So hopefully, hopefully, knock on wood, uh, we don't get any more postponements. Um, and we haven't in a while. Um, and we all play all 20 and we get a true champion. And um, hopefully we're, we're watching some exciting basketball when that happens. The game was on the schedule. You can't complain when it gets put back on the schedule. Like people on Twitter get up in arms about how it hurts Michigan State. It's like you can't. You can't give Michigan a bunch of crap and call them ducking and stuff and then complain when the, the ducking stuff was always schedule. dumb. The ducking no, I know. I, I played into it just, yeah. just as a joke, but like, but like the people who actually think Michigan was ducking is that's ridiculous. No, we I mean, talk about it, but the, the, the only, the only, the only credence I would have given it if Michigan state was like significantly disadvantaged based on the date, you know, if they had to play back to back or if they had to play like, um, you know, if it was, you know, if, if, if it was in a more advantageous spot in the calendar for Michigan than it was for Michigan state, then you've got beef in my opinion, but I don't think that's the case. Um, I think it's pretty fair to both teams and let's play it. That hockey situation, though, it's a little more sketchy right there. I don't know if you know about that, but with the GLI stuff, I was reading up. Reading oh, up yeah, 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 yeah. Not sure about that. That's But this isn't a hockey podcast, and it's not a Michigan podcast. So uh, let's move on. I forgot to mention, if you guys could please like, rate, and review the podcast wherever you are. Check out our work at MLive.com slash Spartans. Uh, you can check out our work at MLive.com. Hit us up on Twitter. You guys know how to get in touch with us. Uh, would really appreciate any questions you have, especially with football. Uh, as we have a lot going there, not a ton. I mean, there's news, but you know, it might be fun to ask some questions looking towards the future. Uh, so yeah, we appreciate everyone for listening. Let's get mad in here. Let's get the football going. Uh, football news keeps rolling in, Matt. I know you just got done talking with the early enrollees. So, uh, maybe if you want to give us some takeaways, uh, from there here at the end, but why don't you just run through some news? I mean, we got transfer news, uh, both in and out. Uh, so the transfer roundup with Matt Wenzel and <laughs> what do we got here? I mean, it, it never stops with this team. No, um, it's getting, well, as far as additions are getting close to the end because, you know, typical, you know, teams are allowed to sign 25 initial counters, which can be either high school recruits or transfers this year. They create they did a one-year waiver to allow programs to replace up to seven transfers who leave Michigan state is well above that mark. So Basic math, you can get to 32 if you've got the scholarships open uh, between high school, 23 high school kids and seven transfers now, five who are already there. That puts them at 30. Today, it's funny, we are doing a podcast on what used to be traditional National Signing Day, 
and would be a day I would not be recording this at two o'clock in the afternoon. Um, and it just doesn't really mention it. <laughs> it doesn't even, it doesn't really, I mean, there's still teams signing people, Michigan state signed their, their guys already. They got the 22 in December and then added Jeremy Bernard, um, in January on the big 10 tender. So, um, anywho, don't expect them to sign anybody today, obviously, and probably not any more high school recruits in this class. At least it seems like two more spots open probably for transfers, but they added two more since our, our last podcast. So Sunday Drew. Broussard, running back from Colorado, committed to Michigan State. Uh, really interesting addition. Um, he's a guy that you know he he didn't appear in his game his first two seasons in, in a game his first two seasons at Colorado. He had two ACL surgeries and then in the funky twenty he also was on Mel's team in, in twenty nineteen. So he obviously knows Mel. He knows um, um, Chris Kapilovic, the old line coach and run game coordinator at Michigan State. So there's the obvious connection there. Um, he was on campus last weekend um, before committing on Sunday. And like I was getting to, an intriguing player because he, he missed two years, two ACL surgeries, and then in 2020 he rebounded and he was the Pac-12 offensive player in the year. Put up good numbers each of the last two seasons, entered the portal. And, um, you know, that's this is a guy that you would expect to be, a, you know, a contributor this fall, to say the least. You know, he's a veteran. He has two years of eligibility left. Um, I think five nine one eighty five. So you know a little bit of a smaller guy, but if you watch his film, he's shifty. He's, you know he can he can break off the big runs. He he makes plays after contact a lot. Like well, I wouldn't say you know, I'm not here to make the Kenneth Walker comparisons because they're not fair. But you see him, you know, break some tackles and, and pick up some yards after contact. So nice addition for Michigan State, and you know that gives him two transfer running backs uh, along with Jalen Berger from Wisconsin. It also means they now have seven scholarship running backs uh, on the roster, or at least they're on pace to um, for the for the 2022 season, barring any attrition. So it makes for a, a pretty crowded backfield, to say the least. And uh, we'll see how that shakes out. But um, second transfer edition, uh, Daniel Barker, tight end from Illinois. He's another veteran guy, you know, uh, 6'4", 250, 64 catches for 827 yards and 11 touchdowns in 44 games. At Illinois, so Michigan State went out and you, know, you lose Connor Hayward in, in the unique role he had this year. Um, I know you got some guys coming back with you know Malik Carr leading the way, probably at least as far as what you see as like a big upside in the future. Um, we haven't heard officially um, from Tyler Hunt if, if he plans on using the additional season of eligibility, but he's obviously got the experience. Um, but this, you know, you bring in a veteran, a guy that can step right in and, and you know perform for you right away. He's been a consistent performer in the Big Ten already. Um, if you remember him from the 2019 meltdown in, uh, at Spartan nope, Stadium. Don't remember him, Matt. When no Michigan State that. blew a 25-point lead, he caught the game-winning touchdown pass with five seconds left. So huh, um, I didn't know that. Don't make me yeah. mute you. So, I mean, it's, a, you know, it's another good addition. That's a spot where they thought they could improve with the you know, veteran, and, and uh, there you go. So that brings it to seven transfers total, five, like I said earlier, I think uh, already enrolled in the other two. Won't be, it can't become official until they actually show up. So, um, assuming that will happen, but it's uh, transfer stuff and guys get flipped even in transfers. It's not just recruiting uh, high school prospects. So, just eight, something to eight, keep in mind. 895 yards in 2020 for Broussard, 661 in 2021. He's got five touchdowns over that span. So, obviously, the guy who Mel knows, to me, the running back thing just, just tells me that. I mean, Mel saw what he had in his running backs in 2020 when they struggled, when Jordan Simmons was the leading rusher. Elijah Collins wasn't the same guy we saw in 19. 
I think he knows what he had, what he had in those in those running backs, Matt. I mean, the writing, I'm not trying to rule him out, but the writing seems like it's on the wall for Elijah Collins. Like he's not going to be a featured back at Michigan State anymore. Like otherwise, why would he be so aggressive in the transfer poll to bring these guys in? I feel like we got to just give up on that. Compete to play, compete to stay. I mean, I wouldn't rule out Elijah yet. I mean, you sign two, you sign a, you know, two power five run, or running backs. I mean, that doesn't look good for your your guys that are coming back. But, you know, I mean, I, I know what we saw from Elijah in 2019, and he was he was a very good player. Um, 2020, dealt, you know, he had struggled getting back, you know, bouncing back from COVID, wasn't the same player, clearly, you could see. And then this season, we just, I don't think we ever really got a fair look at him. You know, he didn't get a carry in the opener. He was coming off injury. He looked good in his one series against Youngstown State. Scores a touchdown, gets hurt on the touchdown, misses the next five games. And at that point, and you, you know, everybody was, you know, picking up whatever carries were left over from, from Walker. Um, so I, I just don't know that we really got to see, a, got a fair shake for, for Elijah either of the last two seasons. So, I, I mean, he's still got a chance to go out there and prove himself. Um, and then, you know, Jordan Simmons, similar, well, not quite the same thing, but, you know, he showed his flashes in 2020 and let him in rushing as a true freshman. And then last year, you know, again, you're, yeah, Walker's getting most of the carries and, and you're just kind of this, you're, you're there as well. But uh, I don't know, it's, 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 an, it's an interesting outlook for the season and uh, especially with Michigan State facing uh, life after Kenneth Walker. And then you throw Joyner in there as well. I mean, that's a lot of backs that are probably yeah, looking to touch you. So. and Prim and yeah, it's, it's crowded. Um, so, and then we did get other news, uh, not a, not really a, a different portal edition, but Ma now Teote, the 2021 four-star recruit, uh, from Mel Tucker, the first 20, first four-star Mel, uh, got to come to Michigan state, taking his name out of the transfer portal reportedly and returning to Michigan state. And Matt, we talked about it a couple pods ago, or maybe it was last pod, how this was maybe a, a notable subtraction from the roster. Uh, now you bring him back in to come with, come with these older transfer running backs and Cal Halliday, all this, this look, this linebacker room's looking pretty solid. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Halliday back crouch back both, you know, they were the starters. Halliday was a freshman, all American. Um, you add Aaron Brule from, from Minnesota state and you add, um, Jacoby Winman from UNLV and you get two guys with multiple years experience playing in, you know <laughs> playing at that level and and those are notable additions and and so with my yeah I, I mean I don't know what it's not like he didn't play it's not like they didn't give him any sort of look as a, you know a true freshman mm-hmm. um, I think you know he logged what was it, 65 defensive snaps and he played a bunch on special teams I thought he got a decent look now, if he thought that that wasn't what he wanted and wanted to look elsewhere, I understand that. And that's why you would enter the transfer portal and then to pull his name out. You know, I don't know. We haven't heard from him. Uh, he deleted the tweet where he was basically acknowledging entering the portal and, and um, you know, thanking the staff and the fans and all that stuff. So I don't know. Maybe it's just an exercise in patience. Maybe he didn't get the opportunities elsewhere where he, was, where he would want to transfer. It is that time of year where, you know, if, if you're looking for a spot and you want to be in straight and you want to be with the team, I mean, it's, it's a weird timing, you know, cause you're already, he didn't enter it till the, you know, after the semester had already started, the, he was already going through strength and conditioning at Michigan state. So it's, it's kind of a funky time and I don't know, we'll, we'll see, but if he sticks with the team, I mean, I think the kid showed some, you know, you know, we saw a little bit of him this year, what he can do. And, you know, he made a few plays and it, it just might be a little while longer before he can get on the field as much as he, he may like to. 
it was I was surprised when he left. Uh, I'll just say that because he did get a good look as a true freshman. So I, I was surprised. So nice to see him come back. Um, and then Michigan State gets a commit for 2023 today. Uh, Jonathan Slack, offensive tackle, 6'3", 280, uh, ranked as the 380th player in the country in the 247 composite. He's a offensive tackle for Martin Luther King. Uh, so that's the third commit in Michigan State's 2023 class. Obviously, a long ways to go till signing day for that cycle, but another big body for Michigan State. And yeah, I think he projects more as an interior offensive lineman than 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 tackle. I know it's funky. They have him listed as tackle, and then they rank him as an interior offensive lineman, so the guard center, obviously. But, yeah, I mean, this is a guy that they obviously wanted. He was on campus last weekend for their big uh, big recruiting visit with some of the 23, some of the 24 guys, I believe, were there, too. But, um, yeah, so, you know, I think we've seen the priority that – Chris Kabilovic has put in offensive line recruiting so far. That's kind of where they've started, especially in the, in the last class, they really started with offensive linemen and dug in there. Um, so yeah, it's, you know, good, good place to start. And, you know, he's an in-state kid, a, uh, Martin Luther King kid and happens to be teammates with uh, five-star quarterback Dante Moore, who was on campus last week and uh, watching basketball practice and posing for photos with uh, Tom Mizzo. So uh, interesting <laughs> stuff. And Dante Moore just gave a little go green when he uh, yeah, his yeah. teammates, uh, well, his teammates commitment there. That's, so. a, that's uh, a very different recruiting battle to try and win for Michigan State. How many coaches two days before their huge rivalry game are like stopping practice to help recruit a football player who's there? Like like stopping practice, letting him like pose for a photo with the whole team. It was pretty remarkable to watch. I know. You could see like Joey and like Gabe Brown or someone in the background shooting free throws and Izzo's <laughs> over here posing with a with a five-star quarterback. But we've seen Izzo active in football recruiting before. I mean he's a great ambassador for the school. Why not utilize every asset you got, you know, and the, obviously pulling a five-star quarterback would be massive. So this reminds me now that, that we're doing, uh, we're doing football, basketball crossover. We, we forgot the biggest news of the past. Oh week. no. How did we forget Kyle Keon Coleman, future superstar, just clowning the entire Michigan <laughs> defense five-star. What? Here's our walk on Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> I, as, as soon as he touched the ball, man, I think both of us knew that he, he was going to the rack. He was not going to miss the opportunity oh, to take a shot. Absolutely. <laughs> if you, if I wasn't, if anybody, if you were, either of you were in that situation, you got the damn ball. I don't know. I don't, I can't imagine giving it up unless I was completely trapped in the corner. Hey, but, you yeah. don't drop, you don't drop 42 point triple doubles in high school, uh, not taking shots when you get the opportunity. Now, if we could get little Izzo to take a shot. That's what we need here. Like Keon needs to be getting out the end of the bench there, like nudging little Izzo, like, hey, bro, see, when you get in the game, don't be afraid to let it fly, guy. Come on. Got to get in that box score. <laughs> yeah, both um, will draw a strong reaction from the uh, crowd, obviously, as we've seen. <laughs> and then let's close things out here, man. I know you just talked to a lot of the early enrollees. So you got any tidbits or takeaways from, from talking to those younger guys? Yeah, so we talked to Dylan Tatum, four-star safety, well, defensive back, I should be clear, um, Jeremy Bernard, four-star receiver, Caton Hauser, four-star quarterback, and Alex Van Summeren, uh, four-star defensive tackle. Just kind of run down the list. Uh, to their credit, these guys, um, especially um, Hauser, who's from California, well, originally from Nevada and then California the last two years. He was teammates with Bernard for two years. I'm sure we've mentioned this before 40 times. Um, and, and Bernard were both, uh, they didn't, they didn't make a big deal about the weather, but I would imagine 
it's somewhat of a shock on a day like this when they're going to go outside later and embrace a foot of snow. So, but yeah, I mean, it's just a big adjustment for everybody. I mean, these are some of the, you know, uh, Tatum's still 17. Um, I think Hauser's still 17 too, maybe, but uh, you know, I just, it, it's a huge change. You move across the country and now you're part of a, you know, a football program, but Tatum had said, you know, just, you know, He's basically, you know, he projects himself to be a nickelback and, you know, with the guys they got returning, you know, he doesn't expect to come in and start right away, but he's been learning from um, Angelo Gross, who finished, he was a, a, a safety ever, 12 to 13 games last year before moving back to nickel in the Peach Bowl. And you get Darius Snow, who was the opposite of that, and then uh, Henderson. So he's been learning from those guys. You know, he said that the upper body, portion of the strength and conditioning program is what has been a really big adjustment for him. He wasn't used to that in high school. Uh, as long as his, as well as his 30 minute walk to class on Monday, he was not anticipating it to take so long. So he's going to have to readjust his uh, lifting schedule to make it to class on time. So nobody told him for... that Michigan state's campus is like one of the biggest in the world. Like, yeah, well, I'm, I'm sure he knew it just like, I mean, it's one thing to know it's a big campus is another to make the walk to your, he said the life sciences building or, or whatever it is. Um, Bernard is a, that that was the interest, uh, interesting one um, because he signed with Washington in December and he showed up, which we hadn't got these details yet. He actually showed up on campus at Washington. He was enrolled in school. Um, but right when he got there, it was like the day he got there, he found out his position coach left for Oregon. So it's what do you do now? And so he, you know, he talked to the head coach and you talked to some of the guys and, and went about the process, but also talked to his parents. And although he's enrolled in classes, he didn't go to class because he said if he would have went to a class that would have not allowed him to get out of his national letter of intent. Now, I don't know the specifics when you get really into the minutia like that, but, uh, you know, I trust him in saying that's right. Um, so he decided, um, all right, I'm going to go home. And then he reconnected with Michigan state because they'd been in a little bit late and he had, he had decided to stick with Washington and then went back home and basically called Jay Johnson. was like, Hey, you still got a spot for me. All right. I'll just come to Michigan state. And you would never been here before. I mean, he's friends with Hauser has been for a long time and they were teammates as mentioned before, but very interesting. I, I like how he was incentivized. Don't go to class like that. Like that works. Away from it. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> you know, somebody student, if you student somebody, athletes first and foremost here. Yeah, but if you got somebody in <laughs> compliance shooting you straight and being like, "Look, if you show up for your whatever one hundred one hundred one class, you're stuck here." I mean, at least somebody gave him yeah. the good advice, you know. And, and yeah, that's you know, true. I mean, because he, you know, he is Junior Adams is the reason he went. He stuck with his commitment and signed and, and showed up at Washington, and then he left for Oregon and. So if you, yeah. if you did everything because your position coach was going to be there, even though the head coach had already been, you know, they've been a change of head coach. And then you're trying to figure out whether your position position coach is really leaving and you don't get the call back until you've already been on campus. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Kind of yeah, college football for you. He probably already took that class in high school, whatever the heck they were making him yeah. go to. It's probably some dumb prere- prerequisite. So anybody who's been in college knows that struggle. So, uh, yeah. Uh, anything uh, else? Or should we get out of yeah. here? Yeah. Uh, well, all right. I'll, I'll try to make it quick. Hauser basically believes his adversity through high school, which included an injury, which led to him transferring from Nevada to St. John Bosco, splitting reps for two seasons with another four-star kid. He believes that helps. That'll help him be ready to succeed at Michigan State. He's ready to come in and work. 
Um, and, and yeah, I, I think that'll be interesting to see what he can do and, and if he can shake up the depth behind Thorne. And Alex Vinson, we've talked about him, you know, before we, he's an in-state kid we've talked a ton about, but, you know, he's really got his head on his shoulders, it seems, and um, he's just coming in ready to compete and, and see if he can crack the rotation. And he's got his brother there to motivate him too. So that can only be a positive. Uh, so yeah, like, like I said, we're going pretty long here. We're going to get out of here again. Appreciate everyone for listening. Uh, if you can uh, support us in those ways, I've told you before, we would very much appreciate it. Uh, Kyle's post game coverage is up there on MLive.com and Matt will stay on top of the football. And uh, I sprinkle in some, some uh, national college football stuff there as well. So uh, appreciate everyone for listening. Michigan state back in action on Saturday at Rutgers at the rack not that other place that they like to try and call it. I believe the tip is at four o'clock and I think it's on FS one. Is that right, Kyle? Yes. The geo Baker athletic center here will be at ah, so. yes. the house, the geo built. All right, yeah. Kyle, are you traveling back out there then? Yeah. Yeah. I'll be heading back out on, uh, on Saturday. So. All righty. A lot Travel of plane safe. flights. Yep. Uh, everyone enjoy the storm. Stay safe out there. Drive slowly uh, or just stay home. That's usually what they tell you to do. So uh, enjoy the storm uh, and we will uh, stay on top of everything. So for Talos and Matt Wenzel, I'm Brandon Champion. Thank you once again for listening to MLive Spartan Conference Podcast. We'll talk to you next time. Go Green.